Welcome to Retro Rovers, a Bristol Rovers podcast. Retro Rovers, because the past is as important as the present. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Retro Rovers podcast. Uh, our sponsor for today is Chasers Nightclub in Kingswood. So every Friday and Saturday between 10pm and 3am. Got resident house DJs, plenty of drinks offers, plenty of good music. Get yourself up there and, uh, and have yourself a good time. So it's going to introduce our guest for the first episode of Series 2. Is a man that made over 200 appearances for the club in a, in, when he was there for about seven years, I think. Um, a promotion winner, a promotion winning captain, actually. An FA Cup quarterfinalist captain. We've got Stuart Campbell with us. Stu, how are you doing? Hi, Ash. Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Thank you. I think I was there for about eight years in total. Eight so. years, was it? And you, I believe know, you so, know, yeah. You know better than me. So. <laughs> eight, eight and a half. Eight and a half years. So you started off at Leicester, Stu, is that right? Yeah, I did. I started off in the, the Leicester City Academy. I think I was about 10 when I, when I first went there and then uh, through the Centre of Excellence and signed schoolboy forms. And then what it was called back then was the old YTS, which you basically left school at 16. I think it's called Scholarships now, uh, where you went, lived in digs with with uh, players from all over. Uh, and then that's where uh, I got to know quite a few of our players, believe it or not. Craig in really? Stevie Elliott, Walks, as uh, we all were all the same sort of age and we were all playing in, uh, we were all apprentices or YTSs at the same time between 16 and 18. Okay. And we were playing in a league called the Midland Purity Youth League, which was Leicester, Birmingham, Derby, Villa, Coventry and, and teams like that. So it was, it was pretty ironic really, which I'm sure we'll talk about later when, when our paths crossed again. Uh, and then after my apprenticeship, I was... I was lucky enough to be to be offered a professional contract by Martin O'Neill at Leicester City, which that was a, it was a dream come true. And I'd been at the club for for so long. I basically grew up there, so uh, yeah. it, it was great. And it just coincided with them. I think they'd just been promoted to the Premier League. I think yeah. they just won the playoff final. So yeah, it was an absolute dream come true. <clears throat> when did how old were you when you made your Leicester debut? Then I was eighteen. I was a first year professional. Uh, and uh, I'm a Man United supporter, so don't hold that against me. With the last couple of years, it's been a bit rough. But, but anyway, so uh, I think I'd been on the bench once in the old League Cup against Scarborough. I'd come off for like five minutes at the end. And then it was in November time, we were playing United away at uh, Old Trafford. Uh, and Martin O'Neill, and I believe it was even, he, he kept doing He never named a team ash until one hour before kickoff. Right. So it was like two o'clock, we were at Old Trafford. Uh, and we were all sat down. I, I, I had no expectations of being on the bench. Me and my, my roommate, another guy called Stuart, Stuart Wilson, uh, 18-year-olds, we'd stayed in this big fancy hotel the night before, woke up the next day, uh, had a big massive fry-up and drinking, what, drinking Coke and everything, stealing all the sweets off the reception, eating away because I, I had no inclination what was coming up. So we're all sat in the dressing room, I'm obviously in awe because I'm a United fan. I'd been to Old Trafford on numerous occasions to watch United play. And in front of everyone, the gaffer sort of said, hey, Stewie said, you're a Man United fan, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I am gaffer. And I was petrified of him, by the way. So I was like, yeah, yeah. He said, I bet you'd love to play today, wouldn't you? And I was like, yeah, I would. He went, all right, you're in. <laughs> and the whole dressing room burst out laughing. <laughs> I think he'd told some of the older ones. And, and that's how my... My professional career started away at Man United and 
from then on, there's only one way you can go from there downhill, <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> so you started, so you started it, man. You actually started it. At I did. I did. Yeah. 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 And that was, yeah, I think we, yeah, it was decent, not bad opposition. I think we were up against the midfielders was, I think it was Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt, Beckham and Giggs. So wow. yeah, it was, wasn't a bad, not <laughs> a bad introduction. Yeah, I was actually all right, surprisingly. I was okay. Were you, were you a winger back then as well? Or were you a, more of a centre midfielder still? Yeah, so I was more of a centre... I was a centre midfielder, but because I was obviously very, very slight grown up, uh, I only ever played centre midfielder at Leicester when we played a three. So if we played a, if we played a three five two, uh, uh, If we played a three five two, uh, which we did at that, that day at Old Trafford, uh, so I played in there, but then lots of other occasions uh, I played out wide on the on the right wing or on the left wing. Okay, that's Stu's dog for anyone listening. By the yeah, way. yeah, <laughs> no, he's not, he's, he, he never barked. He, I don't know. Like I said, I wish I could say he's a a big six foot dog, but he's he's not. He's about half a foot. He's a little Maltese. He, um, he's, he's my little son, as we describe him. The only other boy in the Campbell house. <laughs> so, so from Leicester, you went. You went on loan to Birmingham as well. Is that right? Did you go there for a little bit? Yeah, I was there uh, not for long. I think it was towards the end of the season. Uh, it, Trevor Francis was a manager. I think him and uh, Martin O'Neill were obviously friends from the Nottingham Forest days. And I think I was coming back from an injury. I think I had a little bit of an injury. Uh, long, I went there for about, I think it was four to six weeks. And uh, yeah, and then it was coming towards the playoffs. And then I think I ended up getting recalled or something back. So mm. that, that was a, another sort of good experience, really. The, the size of the club was... Was, was really, really impressive. And then from Leicester, you went to Grimsby. Is that right? With Lenny Lawrence? Yeah, I, w- I went on. I was, so what happened? Uh, yeah, so Martin O'Neill had left. I think that was it. Martin O'Neill had left and Peter Taylor come in. Okay. Peter Taylor come in. And, and as happens all over the all over the world, when a new coach comes in, he, he obviously wants his own team. I think I was about 21 at that point And... I played a decent amount of games for Leicester, but it, it was at the stage where no matter how well I played, I was only ever going to be a replacement for... And in all honesty, I wasn't as good as Neil Lennon or Muzzy, is it? And Robbie Savage, they, they were ahead of me in the, the pecking order. So if one of them got suspended or injured, I'd go in for a game or two. And even if I had an absolute wildie, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't retain my, my position because they were, they were just better than me, if I'm honest. So I got... It got to a point where I had the taste of playing every week and that's all I wanted to do. You can ask any footballer, especially when you start to get a taste of it. There's nothing worse than playing on a training every day and knowing you're not going to play on a Saturday. It's, it's so destroying, really. So that's why I, I ended up going to Grimsby. I had a choice to go. They're in the championship. I had the choice to go to so-called bigger clubs, but I wanted to make sure that if I went on loan, unless I had an absolute shocker, I was going to play. And Lenny, Lenny could, could guarantee that for me. You, so you went there on loan originally, didn't you? And then you joined on a permanent. Yeah, I went there on loan for pretty much the whole season. Uh, and I absolutely, I absolutely loved it, Ash, I'll be honest. I mean, Grimsby gets a bit of a, a raw deal, I think. And I think it's just because of the bloody name. I mm. really do. It was a lovely place to live. It really was. We had a, a real good time, went up there, went on loan, uh, really enjoyed it. I had a, not a bad uh, season as well. So there was... There was a couple of offers coming in when when Leicester had sort of agreed or whatever to sell me, uh, but just with Lenny, obviously I'm sure you you've met Lenny. He's he's a very very sort of smart guy, and once again he yeah he 
he he was a reason why I ended up staying there. If I'm if I'm totally honest, and I signed on a permanent uh, deal after the I think it was about two hundred two hundred fifty grand. So absolute bargain for that price. It was a bargain for that price. <laughs> it was. Uh, so I think you stayed there till two thousand and four, some like two thousand to two thousand four, yep. and then you declined a contract from them to join the mighty Bristol Rovers. So how did, yeah. how did the move come about then to Rovers? Did you turn down the contract knowing that you were coming to us or did you? No, I turned, I turned down the contract thinking I was going to Burnley. Oh, that, was Burnley an, that was a bit of an anti-climax for you. Yeah. No, 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 so it wasn't. So I think Burnley, they're in the championships and uh, they tried to sign me before I went to Grimsby and uh, the chief scout, I think it was a gentleman called Cliff Roberts. Uh, he obviously rated me as a player and he, he sort of come to me and blah, blah, blah. But they're only offering a one-year deal. That's all it was. And I was a little bit uneasy uh, about doing... Obviously, I, I wanted to play at the highest level possible. Uh, and then Paul Molesworth called me, who was the chief scout at Rovers. Uh, so I spoke to him and uh, he mentioned, obviously, I said, so, so what's the plan for the season? Because I'd, I'd, never, I'd never been... I'd, actually, I'd been to Bristol. That, that was it. I'd been to Bristol to play against City. Uh, I'd never been to Bristol before, and we stayed in the Marriott, do you know, in the town centre, down by yeah, the yeah. waterfront. Yeah. And we're out walking, I was like, wow, what a lovely city this is. What a nice place. Uh, so that was my only experience of it. So then speaking to Moley, once again, he's very convincing as well. He's, he's a great guy. Uh, he was talking about the plans and I said, so who, who are you going to be looking to sign then? And he mentioned Hints, he mentioned Azza, he mentioned Walks, he mentioned Stevie. And I was like, they're decent players. Because obviously, as I said earlier on, we all grew up playing against each other. And I was like, you know what, that, that could be pretty interesting. And then I spoke to Ian Atkins and he was very persuasive as well. And the biggest thing for me, I'm a pretty conservative guy, but the fact that it was less money per week than what I was obviously going to get at Burnley, but the fact that they were willing to give me a three-year contract, it, it made me feel valued. It really did. And I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll have a bit of that. So I went down, had a lurk in whatever else and I thought you know what I'm going to go for it just just the feeling inside I was like go for it people close to me they were like what are you doing you're crazy and I was like yeah I don't know I don't know uh but that, that was it I went with my gut and it's the best decision I ever made what was he like Ian Atkins is it because he's, he's a bit of a <laughs> for me, me and Ash were talking about this before we started recording and well I'll let Ash tell you the other Ash because I'm, <laughs> I'm still an Ash Perry obviously but yeah we, we had a chat Stu and I, I liked him from from a fan's perspective. He, mm -hmm. me and Ash were saying off off air that things hadn't been great for the few years before, and, and from my perspective, he he steadied the ship. I know we we drew a lot of games, didn't we, under him? Mm -hmm. um, and he had a little bit of a reputation with, with his character, but I I liked him from the outside. Did did the players warm to him? Yeah, I mean, talking to him that that's why I signed. Well, obviously, Moley, the the chief scout at the time, but then when I spoke to Ian Atkins, he unbelievably knowledgeable and very enthusiastic. Uh, and like I said, if you look at the players that he signed, he signed some good bloody players. Mm. He, he signed, signed the nucleus of the promotion squad, really, the spine of it, at least. Anyway. Yeah, maybe, maybe even more. The only, the only one thing uh, was when... So we, we played my first ever game, Mansfield away. I think the one was at 3-1 or 3-2. Unbelievable yeah. game. We had thousands of fans there. And I was like, oh, wow. And then we played, I think, Barry. We had a really good start to the season and everything was good. And then the minute we had a little bump in the road where I think we tied, like drew or lost or something, he just, he just went in, into one defence mode and just 
started really sort of not berating players, but it, it just felt that he didn't really trust us. Or maybe he didn't trust himself almost. But he, like I said, he's very knowledgeable. And I think if you look at his career, where, he, where he's gone on since, I think he's been a very successful scout for some mm. big clubs, which is, which is no surprise. That season was um, probably had what I'd consider to be one of the, the greatest games ever at the Mem um, mm-hmm. against Yeovil when we were two. Yeah, in the <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Um, God bless his soul, Junior Gogo had, I know. had probably the best game I've ever seen yeah. Rovers player have, to be honest, because he pretty much yeah. was a point, really, didn't he? But uh, yeah, uh, What was it like being there that night with that? Because obviously it all allegedly kicked off between mm-hmm. Gary Johnson and Ian Atkins didn't it, in the tunnel and I think Stevie Elliott punched someone um, Dave Savage punched someone yeah it, it was definitely it was lively on the field but it was probably even livelier off it in the tunnel if I'm honest so I, I don't know I don't know certain people are very brave when they've got five or six people in front of them and maybe a hot cup of tea in the hand that, that's all I'll, I'll really say about that <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah but like I said Junior God bless him like I said it obviously devastating about what happened to him and I agree, that performance that night, he done, I think, did we get two or three players sent off? We got two sent off. We were like, two. Then. Uh, yeah. Dave Lovage and Stevie Elliott. And yeah. Christian, Edwards, Christian Edwards should have been sent off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you'd never known it because he, he'd done the work of two or three men. And like you said, that individual performance that night, we should have actually won the game. Yeah. <laughs> we should, funnily enough, won the game. And that was purely down to Junior. As I said, that performance, it, I knew Junior was a very special talent when I saw him early on. But that night, he just took it to a whole new level. Mm, yeah, that, and I think Lee Johnson is on record as saying that the men was like Istanbul that night. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, the at- yeah I, like I said, the atmosphere that night was was unreal. And once again, it was it was new to me because obviously I, I'd never been to Yeovil. I knew they were close-ish, but yeah, the atmosphere it, it was absolutely white hot on and off the field. Yeah, it was. It was a, a very good night, but that was probably one of the best nights we had under Ian Atkins because it just sort of. It didn't really seem to go anywhere with him, did it? We were drawing a lot. Yeah. And that, I think it was at Chester away when the fans turned their back on the pitch. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that was ultimately the end of him. And mm-hmm. seeing Trolls come in as the caretaker, I think, to start with, was he? I think. Yeah, yeah. Trolls was the caretaker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, that's right. He 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 come in. How did, how, did, how did he go from being like a player, and I suppose he was all your mates and that sort of thing, to being the boss? How easy was that for Trolls when he was without Lenny, when he was on his own at first? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was, I don't know, it, it was really, really smooth for him because anybody that knows Trolls knows what a good coach he was. And if there was anybody that was ever going to go on and be a coach, uh, it, it was going to be him. Like I said, the, the, the way he was thinking about stuff and the way you spoke to him. And, and obviously, I was, I was a younger player at the time and I obviously knew Trolls' background. So I went to him quite a lot for a bit of advice because I, I, I started the season pretty well and then it seemed to go downhill for me. So I was having a rough time. And like I said, I always went to Trolls and, and he was he was a big help for me. And, and also we brought in, do you remember big John Anderson, the big centre-back? I do remember. I, yeah. do remember. I remember Cheltenham away when yeah. big John Anderson scored the winner. When we <laughs> won 2-1 yeah. down with two minutes two left. One. Yeah, yeah. 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 and we ended up winning. Yeah, so, so big John come in to, to help Trolls out. And I think they were a, they were a good pair. They were, they were a really good pair in... The way that they conducted themselves in the, the dressing room as players, they automatically earn our respect. And obviously they come in and they, they made they changed training around completely. They they changed the style of play that we he wanted to implement. Uh, and all the players were really keen and really bought into it. 
yeah, it was it was it started to sort of pick up, and I think the following season we finished twelfth, I think, and we, we were in a run for the playoffs, weren't we? That season, really. Yeah, um, yeah. We sort of petered out the last couple of weeks, didn't we? But mm-hmm. so. When did Len- Lenny did Lenny come in that season or was it after that season when we finished twelfth that Lenny came in? Like, I, I, think he, exactly. I think he I think he came in at the start of the, the the full season. I think when Trolls got the job full time, I think he brought Lenny in. Okay, I think, so he, what, I think he, he. Did that make much in. of a difference to how Trolls operated? Was it, and how did that how did that sort of the landscape of that work? Because obviously Trolls was the coach, and what was yeah. Lenny doing? Uh, so I think it freed him. I think it freed Trolls up really to do what he wanted to do. Most of all, was be out on the out on the training pitch, coaching, and obviously Lenny, with his experience, you look at the clubs that he's managed in and what he'd achieved and everything else. I think it, he was a really, really good sort of sounding board and a really good asset for for trolls to have. And Lenny dealt with stuff regarding contracts. He he was he was he was. I'm not to say director of football that would be disrespectful to Lenny because he was out on the training field every day and he took he took multiple sessions every week. But he he was he was sort of he wore both hats, if you like. He was out there to help trolls and and to guide him uh, for certain things. And then, as I said, from the the player standpoint and agent standpoint, everybody went to went to Lenny, and that that left trolls to do what he was what he was best at. Yeah. So then the the following season, which is probably one of the the biggest talking points of of your Ravers career, I'd imagine. Um, mm-hmm. Two thousand six, two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. We've signed, done quite good business in the transfer market. We signed Ryan Green, Byron Anthony, Steve Phillips. Yeah. Um, lost Junior Gogo, but replaced him for, with Ricky Lambert, which was quite a big fee for Rovers at the time, really. Mm-hmm. What was the feeling like? What was the aim going into that season? Was was the aim promotion or was it consolidate? What what was sort of the aims of the club at that time? Yeah, it was definitely promotion. As, as I said, at the start of every year, you have meetings and the aim that that we all sort of come up with from the coaching perspective and also from the playing was, was promotion. We felt, we looked around each other and we felt that we had, we had enough in the, the dressing room to, to go on and be successful and, and get promoted. Yeah. And the season didn't really start that well, did it for us? No. To be honest. No. What, why do you think that was that looking back now? What do you think it was? Because we had such a, we had a really bad start. We lost 4-1 at Peterborough, I think. Yeah. We won one of the opening four. Yeah, um, is it, could you put your finger on why that was? I I, I can't really. I, I can't. I mean, I, I thought about it because I was obviously thinking about the season. I, I honestly couldn't. Like I so said, we had a r- real rough start at the, the start of the season, uh, and I honestly couldn't tell. We had a pretty decent preseason, which once again I've learned throughout my career that you can't really gauge much on preseason. You can have a, a real good preseason and go in like we did and start the season terrible, or I've had it where we hardly win a game preseason and we go in and start the season like a house on fire but I, I don't know I just I just remember up until about Christmas the season it, it was just stop start we'd we'd go and win a couple draw then we'd lose a couple and draw then we'd go and do it again and we were always just on the on the periphery and then I just remember right even been boxing day where round about that Christmas period where we really we really sort of I don't know caught fire from then on in for the for the remainder of that season yeah I think I'm I think it was around Christmas time. We beat Accrington yeah. 4-0. Yeah, we hammered um, them, didn't we? Yeah. We went on like a sort of a seven or eight match on beat and run, I think. We drew with Hereford, drew with Walsall, beat Torquay, beat Rochdale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, beat Peterborough at home as well. Yeah. Um, and is that the game you scored a really good free kick <laughs> at the end? I think when Ash Perry was telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did, actually. We were... 
yeah, we were playing Peterborough at home. I think we were we were two nil up. We should have probably been five or six nil up. We were we had a very very good performance that day, uh, and I think Lambo would normally take the free kicks. But uh, and I just remember being extremely frustrated with the game. We were two nil up and cruising, and then I think we threw it away and yeah. come back to come back to two two. Yeah. Uh, and Lambo was like over the ball, and I was like, Lambo, I'm taking it. And he's like, No, you're not, Cam. That's I'm taking it. He's like, We well, better score. And I was like, Right. And yeah, luckily enough, it, <laughs> it, it, it flew in. So I got away with that one. The one thing I forgot to mention from the start of that season is, is you weren't the captain going into that season, were you? James Hunt was. Yeah, I wasn't. Like I said, I had, yeah, I had a, a rough start. And I'll be honest with you, Ash, I thought that was probably going to be my, my last year. I don't think I'd offered a new contract because I'd been. I'd been in and out. We had a couple of other midfielders uh, that, that were ahead of me. And then, ironically, what kick-started my, my Bristol Rovers career, I'll be honest, and what kick-started our season, we played in the Johnson paint away at Wickham. Uh, and I, 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 Trolls told me that I was playing and starting and, and whatever else. He said, and also, you're going to be captain. I was like, what? He said, yep, you're going to be skipper tonight. And I was like, all right, okay. And then things just went on from there. I think we beat Wickham 1-0. I think, was it Stevie or Walk scored the winner from a corner or something? Or... I can tell you now, because it was 2-0. 2-0. And I think it was um, Easter and I go. Easter and I go, right. I must have been in the league when he scored. But anyway, that, yeah. that Johnson paint, that, that kick-started not just my career at Bristol Rovers, I believe, but also that really kick-started our season because we just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. Mm. Well, so because James Hunt left, didn't he? After that, and there was always a bit of a thing with how he left and he got dropped from being the captain straight away. Yeah, to just yeah. be on straight away. So yeah, so him and so, had a falling out, did they? Or? Yeah, I think they had a disagreement, and that was hard for me, Ash, because Hunt and I were were really good friends. Oh, we are really good friends. Uh, there was myself, him, and you remember Jamie Forrester? I do remember Jamie Forrester. Yeah, yeah. so we all used to carpool up to Cologne and. And away from the field, we all used to like, uh, like hang out together, hang about together, and everything. So, yeah, it, it was a it was a tough one because professionally, I think him and Troll had a disagreement, which that happens every single day. Uh, but yeah, me and Hunty were we were like really good friends, and he was a he's a really good player that was like underrated. Mm. So, just jump back forward in time. So after that Peter game, we actually went on a run of not winning in the league for mm-hmm. six games. Yeah, um, but in that time was the Bristol Derby. Yeah, what, what was that like in playing in the Bristol Derby and at Ashton Gate and at the Men against City? Yeah, it was it was brilliant. I mean, I obviously knew I knew the the feelings between both clubs. I, I used to live in Down End, so I lived in in the, in the good part of the town. You were, I lived po- in you were posh. Yeah, I, I, I was okay. We had well, there's more Rovers fans over there than than whatever in in Willie Wicket's and in the Leak Pub. There was more Rovers fans and. And City fans, so I knew I knew the rivalry was was pretty intense. But then I remember getting getting to the stadium. We were having a pre match meal at the Mem, so we get into the stadium at say four o'clock. We got there, our buses there. I never saw so many police. There was a big van, there's a mm-hmm. motorbike, and I was like, "Oh, what's happening here? What's happening? It's a bit early." Uh, so we went and we had dinner. And we come back, and there was even more. So, this, so we were leaving from the Mem. Ah, and what what an experience getting to the the city ground. Like I said, we were driving through Clifton, we were going up the wrong way of one-way streets, and we were were going all over the place, the amount of police, and obviously Clifton's a pretty nice area, and you've got this big, massive team bus sort of going up the wrong way of the street, and you can look in the window and you see people having their dinner, and it was 
it was a, a real, real surreal, not surreal, it was a really, really exciting uh, time, really, going to, going to that game. And obviously, when you, when you get there to the stadium, the, it's not very welcoming, which I think that, that played into our part because we had some really, really strong characters that the bigger the game, the bigger the player they become. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, what was, what was that the preparation for that, like with Trolls and Lenny the week before and for you guys then? Because I mean, you know, that's, for any Rovers fan, that's the biggest game you can get. Um, yeah, yeah, no, uh, they, they were, they were always consistent, no matter who we were playing, no matter who we were playing, Trolls always, he always stuck to the same, the same plan that he always done regarding training, the way we broke down the opposition, uh, and and stuff like that. So he he was he was always very very level. And I always remember that win, lose or draw, he was always here. He was never too high, never too low. I mean, for that one, you, you don't really have to say anything. Like I said, it starts at the stadium when you leave, and you see the amount of police around the team bus. It's like, oh, <laughs> something's <laughs> going to happen here. And then you get to the stadium, and all sorts of things are going on. And and by that point, I was well ingrained in the community. A lot of obviously my friends were Bristol Rovers fans. Uh, unfortunately, a couple of them were City fans, so it was. Yeah, I, I was. I was very, very, very aware about how much the the game meant, and obviously, we had Stevie Phillips as well, who who had signed for us. So I know that he was he was really, really determined to to do well, and I think he had a he had a brilliant night that that night, mm-hmm. especially at Ashton Gate. What was he like in the, in, in the team that season for Rovers? Because we'd had not really been consistent with goalkeepers for a couple of years. Yeah, and I, for, from a fan looking in, I'm sure that Ash will agree with me that he just seemed to calm everyone down in that back line. He seemed to have a massive influence on the on the club in general. Yeah, he 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 was a fantastic goalkeeper. He, he really was, and that year he was phenomenal. He he was one of the big big reasons why we why we got promoted. He he won his games on his own, or, or he, and then he stopped us losing games where we'd go away and and nick a nil nil draw when we've been absolutely battered, but. Yes, like I said, Stopper, he was unbelievable that year. He was he was phenomenal. And like I said, he was he's a real sort of good, funny character off the off the pitch as well. He he it was good. He is a good guy. And then yeah, another yeah. another famous moment from Rovers sort of folklore history is wedged in between those games. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a game against Stockport at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, which didn't go ahead. So we have yeah. a, did we have a waterlogged pitch, Cams, or was it all right, really? Jim Gannon was yeah. absolutely raging. Yeah, I mean, I think that was Lenny's a bit of experience there in, in trolls using using a bit of experience. Put it this way, if the, the men was waterlogged, but we were able to train over at the YMCA just across the street around about three o'clock that same day. So I never, I never actually went to the men. I never made it that far onto the field, so... If they said it was waterlogged, then then so be it. And <laughs> thank goodness it was, because if my memory serves me correctly, Stockport were on an unbelievable run, weren't they? They were. They, they were. They were just steamrolling everybody. Uh, I think that's when they set the record, football league record, for not. Is that what it, right? They had Wayne. They had Wayne Hennessy and goal on loan, I think. Um, yeah. And they hadn't conceded. They'd won like one nil for like eight, eight or nine games in a row, or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I remember them being on a phenomenal run. I don't. Yeah, like I said, there must have been that one that one big dark storm cloud above the men that day. It just rained on 
Yeah, with a, house, pipe, with a house pipe hanging out of it or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Or, or Lenny Lawrence, Lenny yeah. Lawrence shaped clay with a house. Yeah, pipe. Or, 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 the, or the or the sprinklers had been left on all night or something. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know, but but it, yeah. Well, thank, thankfully it did because then when they come back down to play as midweek, uh, I was actually suspended that night. Uh, we ended up winning. I think Linesy might have scored or something. I can't remember who scored. Lam- but uh, Lambo and, Lambo. and uh, Stuart Nicholson. Stuart Nicholson. Uh, I remember Linesy, he had a really good game that day because he was in for me and I was like, yeah. when somebody comes in when you're suspended, you're obviously looking at him and Linesy was a real good player at that point, although he's only young. And I was like, bloody hell, Linesy, you're, <laughs> calm down, you're playing too well on this one. I'm not going to get back in the team. When we had uh, when we had Ricky on, he spoke about that Stockport game because he he didn't get on very well there, did he? And I think he was no. he was given so much abuse by their fans. And when he scored, yeah, he ran over to their fans and he said he nearly had a punch up on the side of the yeah. <laughs> one of them to climb over. <laughs> um, but so then after sort of in that run, we lost at Boston away on the tenth of March, mm-hmm. uh, which put us down to sixteenth in the league. Mm-hmm. Did you think that the playoffs were over and done with then? Or did you uh, believe that we could get on a run again and go again? We, we did. We, we, we didn't at any point. We never, we never give up. Like I said, we, we, we were always on the periphery of the playoffs and we knew, and once again, I, I don't know what the other guys think, but I, I'll, I'll tell you, we knew that if we could get into the playoffs, we were going to get promoted. We, we, we just yeah. knew, and I know it sounds obvious, but the hardest thing was to get into them playoffs. And we knew that if we could make it there, we were gonna we were gonna be a handful. Stuart, can I can I ask? Did did the disappointment of of losing over in, in Cardiff in in the final did that did that have an impact on the running? Did that sort of spur the team on a little bit more? It, it did. It, it really did, Ash. Uh, and that was, I think, it was part of Lenny's and Troll's team talk at the end. Obviously, you lose a cup final, you're you're lower than a snake's belly, aren't you? Especially. 2-0 down after mm-hmm. five or ten minutes, something crazy. And you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute here, because Doncaster were a good team. On the field, I'm thinking, flip me, this could be a four or five, but we're not careful. So we sort of battened down the hatches, got into 2-2, and I felt we were the better team. We were in the ascendancy. I thought there was only going to be one team that were, were going to win it. And then when you, you lose an extra time, we were gutted. I remember Trolls and Lenny at the end making a point of the stadium and our fans, how many supporters had been there, because... Obviously, I knew Bristol Rovers were a big club. A lot of our players knew it as well, but you don't believe it until you see it. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Until yeah. you see how many Rovers fans are there, it's like, wow, in the atmosphere that they brought. And I remember it to this day, Trolls and Lenny made a point of it. And he said, make sure they do that again at Wembley for us. So on that day, that, that, that really did. And then I think we went the next game, I think we went away to Mansfield, if my memory is Steve, yeah. Steve yeah. Elliott scored. Uh, unbelievable overhead kick or something for a defender. I remember Steve, the goal. He's <laughs> never done an overhead kick in his it, life. It was, <laughs> something, yeah, it was something. It was something like that. So it was. Yeah, I remember. We, did we nick it one nil or something? We we were, we were we were really we were poor. It was a bit of an anti. I mean, we were a bit of an anti climax, but somehow we 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 dug in uh, and. We, we dug in and we grinded out a one 0 result, and then from that point on, it was like, okay, here we go. Yeah, the week the week before that, we beat Wickham one 0 as well. Steve Elliott scored again, and, I, and I've made this point before of watching back um, highlights because that's my favourite ever Rovers season, by the way. Yeah, I was I was like seventeen, eighteen. I just started going to football on my own, really, with mm. my mates. Yeah. Um, 
I knew Steve. I knew Stevie scored the winner at Wickham. I knew he did at one point. I knew he, he did. did. He, he scored quite a lot of important goals that season. Yeah. Actually, he scored at Walsall, didn't he? Up on, yeah. on, on Boxing Day or New Year's Day, somewhere yeah. around. New Year's came, came back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always loved playing at Walsall because we always played them round about. Well, sometimes around about Christmas, but we always brought thousands of fans. Yeah, it was always like an unbelievable. Do you remember? It was always like an unbelievable. We'd have more fans than than them. It felt like even yeah. even our Lescott scored at Walsall. So. I know, Azza, yeah. That, that was a great assist, though. That was a great assist. He couldn't miss. <laughs> I was on the bench that day. I think I'd been sick, and I come on and remember, remember Azza scored, yeah. yeah. He did score. He did. Um, and then in that last sort of 10 games of that season before the playoffs, we, we, just, went, we just looked unbeatable, didn't we? We were just... Yeah. Uh, with every week that passed, you just got more and more confident. Um, mm-hmm. And when things like, you know... Um, Sean Riggs scored the winner up at Macclesfield, I think, didn't he, on a Tuesday? Yeah, that was a mid- midweek. That's the old going to Macclesfield on a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Macclesfield, yeah. I think they were fighting for their lives, weren't they, for relegation. Yeah. Uh, and I remember Stopper, Stevie Phillips, and the, the defenders, that they were phenomenal. We got, we got battered, basically, that night. Mm-hmm. And, and then Riggy, I think we hit them on the break and, and scored, and we were clearing it off the line. And, yeah. Body, Stevie Elliott and Hints and whatever else diving in front of the ball. So Hints get a game then? I thought Byron had took his place in the team by then. I, I know, I remember he got injured, didn't he? Hints got injured at Barnet away. He I did. Think he, he pulled his groin. He pulled he his groin. Um, and then the week after Macclesfield, we were aimed to Swindon, 10,000 at the Mem. And yeah. Rick Lambert scores one of the most outrageous goals. Yeah. What? Not a bad strike. <laughs> no, what was it? With, with Lambo, he, he, he started really slow when he came to us, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. He sort of started to pick up around New Year sort of time. Yeah, I think it, I think it was before that. Actually, obviously Lambo come in and we had Walks, who was a main man. Walks was the number nine, yeah. wasn't he? he? He was a striker. Lambo come in for a decent chunk of money. Uh, obviously, a, a really really unbelievable player technically and whatever else. And everybody was saying, uh, and I probably I would, I would probably, probably would have agreed with them saying that him and Walks couldn't play together uh, because they, they were too similar. Obviously. None of them, I know I wasn't the quickest player in the world, but we didn't, none of them had any real pace between them. And then I think we went to Torquay away, I think, in a midweek game. Uh, and I think that was one of the first times either started together or they really clicked and they were unbelievable. And from that point on, we, it just dispelled, oh, there's Olivia, uh, any, any of these myths that they, they couldn't play together. Uh, and we just, we just took it on from there, really. I always felt that Walks was a bit undervalued and underrated when you look back at the history because he sort of lived in the the shadow of Junior, yeah. And and then obviously Ricky went on Mm. to you know amazing things, yeah. um, When we talk about like our great strikers we've had, Walks is Walks was an unbelievable striker for us. I thought he was like twenty goals a season every season. Yeah, he he's he's probably the best striker I've ever played with, and I go back to my days at Leicester and. And wherever else, do you know what I mean? He mm. he was the most natural born finisher I've ever seen. I've yeah, he ever was, seen. He was lethal, wasn't he? Completely. He was inc- he, he was incredible. Like I said, in even in training and, and whatever. And like you said, in in the games, he was he he's he probably the best finisher or one of the, one of them, if not the best striker that I've I've ever played with. He, he could he was very strong in the air. He could hold the ball up. Uh, and and as I said, you give him a chance, and he's scoring. He's scoring, or he's making the keeper work anyway. Yeah, yeah, he was. And I listened to an interview with Ricky not that long ago on a on a mm-hmm. podcast, on a Liverpool mm-hmm. podcast. And they asked mm-hmm. him, they asked him who the 
I think the best technical player he'd ever played with was, and he said Richard Walker. Which when yeah. you think when you think yeah. where he wanted to go, he played Champions League for England, yeah. everything, and, in, and Walker's getting that shape. Yeah, um, I wouldn't disagree with that. Like I said, he was he, he really was he was incredible. What do you th- what do you think he he struggled to make because he struggled to make the step up to League One really didn't he? Do you think there's a reason for that then? Because he was obviously uh, a very good footballer. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that one because yeah, obviously. Yeah, I don't know what, what had really gone on behind the scenes, but yeah, it did it did seem that uh, things weren't going to plan, especially because how productive he'd been in, in previous seasons. Uh, and, and I can imagine with the amount of goals that he scored, it would definitely have been clubs from higher leagues that were, were looking at him. Because like you said, his return every year, you were guaranteed 15, 20 goals mm. every year. Yeah, every year you were. But back to, to 06, 07. So it all ended up with us going to Hartlepool on the last game of the season. Yeah, I was there. I don't know. Were you there Ash, that game, that game, or not as well? No, I couldn't make that one. It was I, I listened listened to that one on Radio Bristol. I'd probably consider it to be the greatest Ravers away day ever that I've been. Yeah, on. Um, because they needed to win to win the league, didn't they? And we yeah. needed to win to go up. So we went one nil down, didn't we? Danny Wilson was their manager, if I remember yeah. correctly. He was a yeah, he was <laughs> as well. So that's even nicer when you beat him. But even when we go one nil down, I. I'd, I felt that we we always had a chance of winning. Yeah. Was that the same for you guys on the pitch as well? It it was it was, and once again, to go back to what I said earlier, we we knew that if we could get into the playoffs, that that we would we'd be successful. And then going into that the Hartlepool game, uh, it was ironic really because Stockport were just down the road. I think they were playing Darlington. Mm. So they they pumped they pumped them as well. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. So typical Rovers at that point, we're one 0 down at half time. We go in. And we hear that they're winning like four or five nil or something crazy or three or four. And they, they'd won the game by half time, really. And we were like, all right, here we go. Once again, nobody was, was panicking. We, we put in a decent performance in the first half. And, and as I said, just that the confidence and the spirit within the group, we were, we were confident that we could, that we could nick it. Yeah. And we, we ended up scoring an 86th minute winner, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. Lam- Lambo popped up the away yeah. and absolutely mental. And then it was, all eyes on Lincoln. I think Lincoln had messed up the playoffs three years, three years previously, hadn't they? Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, they they they'd been. I think they were in automatic promotion for quite a while, weren't they? Yeah. I think, and then they, they fell out late on or something. Mm. Uh, and as I said, they they fell out, and we, we were sort of going in opposite directions. I think they had an incredible start to the season, and we, we were going into the playoffs with real momentum, probably the informed team in the in the league. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. So we, we ended up beating them 2-1 at home, um, then going to their place. And I'd imagine that Trolls probably said to you before the game, just keep it tight for the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Something like that. And then somebody <laughs> turned up for 30 yards out and thought, I'm going to have a go here. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> and, and in it went. Um, yeah. why, why didn't you do that? Because you only you scored one goal from open play for Rovers, I think, and that was it. Yeah. Why didn't, why didn't you shoot more often? Because if you got that in your locker, I'd be yeah. every 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. That goal was lucky. Just before I hit it, it hit a little bobble. That's why it, it flew like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I don't know. That's what a good are you question. thinking as you, see that, as you see that fly, though? What, what are you thinking? Are you thinking as soon as you hit that, are you thinking that's in? Yeah. 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 As soon as I hit it, uh, I knew. Cause, and I've, I'm telling the truth after I'd. I sort of got away from, I think it was, was Fozzy and beat someone. Just as I hit it, just took a little bobble. So that's where I, it was just off the floor and that's why it just flew. 
and went in. But yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't shoot. I don't know why I didn't shoot more often. After that goal, I never had another shot in my life. <laughs> Not even in training. I was, I'm finishing no, that, that one. I'm living on that, living on that one. <laughs> yeah. Living on that one forever. And that was a really funny game for a lot of reasons because obviously you scored from open play, which was a, a rarity for you. <laughs> Lambo had been getting some grief from the local press up there all week. Yeah. And he was a waste of money and he had a, mm-hmm. he had a really good, he had a really, really good game. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, Steve Phillips was moaning all game that someone was standing on his toes. So I can remember his interview <laughs> match. Yeah. All he did for about 10 minutes. And then uh, one of our one of our hosts, just not with <laughs> us tonight, has asked us to tell you this story. So he can you remember the screen soccer guys that used to film the Rovers matches? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Dave Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Mark Brimson used to do it with them as well. He's one of mm-hmm. our hosts who can't be with us tonight. Um, so he managed to blag his way in to the match without a ticket by sort of going with them but not really doing anything so he was in the press area and uh, David Passmore was there I think mm-hmm. he's the BBC Lincoln present yeah. and as Sean Riggs scored the fifth goal he's gone mental and he's just ruffled the top of his head like oh. that. And as, he, as he's done it his wigs his toupees come flying off <laughs> That's hilarious. I've never heard that story before. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so, um, so after that is Wembley again. So for, for you as the captain of the team, what what was your sort of role in the week or two weeks, whatever it was, leading up to Wembley? How much did, did Trolls lean on you? Did, yeah. You know? Yeah, so it was quite funny, really. So uh, when did we play Lincoln? It was on a Thursday night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. a Thursday night, so it was the FA Cup final on the Saturday, the first game that Chelsea United. Yeah, and one of my neighbours, Tim Blythe, uh, it, that lived in the same street as me, he'd got a couple of tickets for the cup final, and he said, "Look, do you do you fancy going?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." So uh, we won the game because what I thought we'd do, I thought we'd be in the next day, Friday, for like a cool down, then off on Saturday. No, it was the other way around. So I, I had to go to Trolls and say, "Trolls, I've got." A a ticket for the cup final is okay if I sort of have a miss a day and he's like yeah absolutely so I went to Wembley the week before <laughs> to watch <laughs> Chelsea against United and I was sat there thinking oof in like seven days I'm going to be out on that pitch mm-hmm. so that was that that was that was surreal and then once again with Trolls' preparation he, he was always consistent always consistent no matter where we were playing who we were playing he was always the same the, the training structure for the week the way he broke down the opposition the formation they played their individual players' strengths, the weaknesses, the team strengths, the team weaknesses. He was he was very, very, very thorough about about everything. What's it like walking out on the pitch at Wembley and seeing forty thousand Rovers fans? Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was absolutely... nervous, or is that by that period of your career with the nerves sort of a thing of the past? Yeah, I, I wasn't really nervous, and and like I said, that was one of the few games that I ever went into uh, knowing that we were going to win. I mean, I maybe reconsidered that after the start when we were 1-0 down <laughs> after a couple of minutes again. But, but no, on a serious note, I'm sure you can ask anybody. We knew that we were going to win that day. We knew. So you, you went out there, you're obviously you're nervous. It was more excitement, really. It was more excitement because we, we'd been through so much as a group. And, and as I said, it, I'm not being wise after the event. You can, you can ask anybody that was part of the group, whether like Roger Hard and the kit man, God rest his soul, he, he was like, we're winning today. I was like, yeah, we are. And he said, no, I'm telling you, we're winning. And I was like, okay, yeah, I got it. I, got I think it. I, I believed that we were winning that day. Yeah. I don't know about you, Ash. Did you think the yeah. same? Buzzing. It, 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 the running that we'd had and, and the, the experience we'd had at Cardiff, I think you, you just knew, like like you say, Stu, yeah. kind of, 
the stars were aligning, weren't they? Everything was yeah. sort of coming together. Yeah, and it was no disrespect to Shrewsbury. It was no matter who we were playing that day, we'd have beat them. We'd have beat Derek, them. Derek Asamoah frightened the life out of me that day. Um, yeah, he. Yeah, I was just thinking, someone just snap him, please, because yeah. just... yeah, you had to catch him first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to catch him, but no, like I said, so that that was so you mentioned Derek. So uh, straight from the end of the game, one of the biggest highs in. In your life, I had all my, I had my wife and kids there. I had all my family. I had all my friends. Uh, they'd all, they'd all travelled up from Bristol or come down from Corby, uh, and they had like the the reset, not, yeah, like the players' lounges or whatever it was called uh, up at Wembley. The minute I stepped off the field, drug tested. <laughs> wow. Me okay. and me and Derek. So oh, I've gone from this incredible high, and I'm gone sat in like a little ten by five room. There's me, I'm buzzing inside, and Derek sat there, and I'm like, what do I say to him? Lucky. <laughs> 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 and you can't go anywhere. You can't, you, can't go, you can't go and celebrate or anything. So I'm sat with these drug testers. They, they try to get me to, to do a sample, but you've just played 90 minutes. So it was a real, it was a real sort of anticlimax. So by the time I'd actually done it, I went into the dressing room, completely empty apart from Dodge. Him and Keith Brookman, I think, were the only ones there. Uh, by the time I got up to the the players' lounge, all all my friends and family they they pretty much all jumped on the bus back to Bristol. So it was a it was a surreal. <laughs> and by the time I got on the bus, everybody was feeling like really happy, really good. They they'd had a couple yeah. of a couple of drinks or whatever. Nice. So yeah. yeah, that um the goals that day. I mean, we spoke about walks already, but the two the two goals he scored that day were absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, but one of the questions we've had in for you is. Did that ball, when Sammy Igo shot, did that ball take as long to cross the line as it did for us? In the because I watch it back now and yeah. it just seems to just breeze in with no problem yeah. whatsoever. But at the time, I remember watching it thinking, Is it go- that's not going, that's not going, that's nah. not, yeah. Was it the same for you guys on the pitch or L- longer, longer? Mm-hmm. It felt like time stood still because memory serves me correctly. They had a corner, didn't they? They did, Obviously, that's why the keeper was up. And- it was 2-1, and there's me saying, yeah, I knew we were going to win, going to win. I didn't know if it was going to be 90 minutes or extra time. And I was thinking, come on, see this through, because I knew time was pretty much up. I thought, see this through, and that's it. Defend this set play. So, yeah, when it got cleared and Sammy running down, and when he took the shot, I was like, what's he doing? What's he doing? And then, like I said, it was rolling and rolling and, and whatever. So, no, the minute that ball went over, because you saw the defender was tracking the ball down, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he very nearly made it as well, didn't he? Yeah. He just, yeah. he just, just missed it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Thank, thankfully, and then that was one of the best feelings that, that you ever have in your life because, like I said, it, in front of the Rovers fans, and and like I said, we were all we all knew we were going to win the game, but at that point, it becomes a reality. We're like, yeah, we've done it, we've done it, and I think you see the celebrations afterwards was was incredible. Yeah, my chair, have- my chair broke. Magic, yeah. magically, yeah. I was, I was literally at pitch level, and the ball was rolling. There just mm-hmm. a wave of bodies, and I can remember just it was just like a sea. Yes. And I, pe- people use the word limbs, don't they? Now it's like yeah. a trendy word, but yeah, you you watch it, and then you had I think on the sideline, you had um, trolls was on the sideline, and Kite yeah. he was jumping on him, Kite, and then yeah. it, he finished it was brilliant. Yeah, I think <laughs> you signed the contract extension around then as well, didn't you? Was it before or after the final that you'd signed your extension? 
uh, that was sloppy by me. It was before. It was before the Lincoln game, the second one. I should have waited. I'd probably got more money if I'd waited. <laughs> you might have, could have put a goal bonus in after that. Yeah, I should have done a Stevie Elliott. He was a smart one. He waited till after, I think, and signed. So, uh, yeah, and I remember just before we were departing on the bus to Lincoln, uh, my contract was up that year. And once again, I was extremely happy uh, on the field. Uh, but my family, we, we absolutely loved Bristol. Uh, at that point, I think we had... I don't know if we'd had our third, but two of my, my daughters were born in Bristol, so they're proud Bristolians. So whilst there was opportunities to, to leave, it never really never really crossed my mind because of how happy we were. Yeah, yeah. So then we sort of entered the close season. Were you confident that the team that we had could do well in League One? Yeah, I was. I was. I, I knew it would be, it'd be a challenge. I mean... I can't remember if it was that year, but I remember it was Leeds United. I think they were in it. There's some really, really, really yeah. big hitters where there was almost this four or five teams where they were just an exception to the, yeah. to the rest of us in the league. There's always a lot of comparisons between, obviously, because there's recent history between the Trolls team and the Daryl Clark team that went yeah. in League One, and they had very similar first seasons where they both mm-hmm. finished around. But I've always said that I held the Trolls team in probably a higher regard because some of the teams that were in division back then, you had yeah. Leeds, Leeds, Nottingham Forest, yeah. Huddersfield, Brighton, Norwich. yeah, Norwich, Brighton were just sort of starting to take off a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we wore an L our own that season, didn't we? I think we finished 12th, did we, in the end? Yeah, yeah, I think I think right we now. did. We did. And like I said, I remember you had Charlton and Sheffield Wednesday and yeah. all at one point. So that was a that was an incredible, incredible league to play. And it was it was very tough. And, and like I said, yeah, we we held our own. I think we went away to Walsall towards the end of the season and had a real good result, which sort of yeah. shot us up the league and guaranteed our, our survival. Yeah. I, I mean, the real big success story of that season is the FA Cup run. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. you and you and whatever that have ever captained. Bristol Rovers in an FA Cup quarterfinal. Oh, I didn't know um, that. I think, it's, yeah, I'm sure, it's, I, might, I might be yeah, wrong, it's... but I'm sure it's only you and one other that have ever captained Bristol Rovers mm-hmm. in a final. Oh, wow. Um, that Ooh. cup run, did you, did you just go into it every, just believing you were going to win every game? Because we just, we just seemed to coast it really until West Brom where it all went horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did. I mean, I always, I always loved the FA Cup. As I said, growing up as a kid, I know I'm a lot older than you guys, but the FA Cup was, was huge. Uh, growing up watching it and uh, watching the Cup final on a Saturday, it was a real big deal. So I, I absolutely always loved playing in the FA Cup, whether we were playing Barrow away in, a, in what seemed like a hurricane or, or whether we are playing Southampton at home. And I always really, really, really enjoyed playing in the FA Cup. Uh, it was a real big tournament and... As I said, some of the teams that we beat along the way, we didn't we didn't do it easily. We we, we beat some real, real decent teams. We did. I uh, we I think we had played a little was that when we played late in Orient in a replay? We drew three all away. I yeah. Think. I think we drew at home. Yeah, we drew yeah, a little we drew away. We drew away. Home, then we drew away and won on and won on penalties, I think. Yeah. I think we won on penalties at home, I think. Did yeah, we? we did. Yeah, sorry, I got it the wrong way round. Yeah, I think yeah, we grew, yeah. yeah, we had a couple of replays. I think Fulham as well. I think yeah, uh, I'm, I was just, I missed that game. I was suspended, and but by that I, I got booked against. I think it was Luton a couple of days before, uh, and by that point I'd already made a decision that sort of like not the decision. My family that were always going to come down and watch. So that was a brilliant day for me. I actually sat with the Rovers fans that day and yeah. travelled back with them. It was brilliant. 
Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And I think Hint scored the equaliser, didn't he? Hint, yeah, so he, he Hint scored, me a, few goals. Hint scored yeah. a few goals in the FA Cup that year. That was, that was when he developed the nickname, the goal machine. Goal machine. <laughs> he, scored against, he scored in the first round against Leighton Orient. He scored yeah. in the second round against Rushton and Diamonds. Mm-hmm. And he scored away at Fulham. That was a, were you at that away day, Ash? Or is that one you... Yeah, you no, that was phenomenal. That was absolutely yeah. brilliant. The, the, there's a really, really great clip, isn't there, on YouTube of, uh, of Linesy whipping the ball in. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It was an incredible, incredible run. Um, and then we beat Southampton. Well, we beat Barnet, then we beat Southampton. Yeah. Um, and then we got... <laughs> um, destroyed by Ishmael Miller, really, didn't we? I think it is. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Obviously, listen, they were a better team, and Ishmael Miller he had the game of his life. But I don't even remember. I think it was in the second half. I think was it? Yeah, we might have been two 0 down or something. And that they just introduced that rule, you know, where you come back and you're not interfering with play. Yeah, yeah. you remember that? And I think it was Kevin Phillips. Was it him? Was he playing that day? I can't remember. Was, yeah, like, I think he was. A very well-known striker. It might have been him. He he done that anyway. He was coming back, and somebody else broke, and then the striker that was ten yards offside literally scored. And I always remember to this day, Mark Plattenberg. Remember him, the referee? Yeah. I said to him, I said, Mark, I said, what's going on? How how was that goal allowed to stand? I said the boy's ten yards offside, and the referee was like, Stu, I've got no idea. That's mm-hmm. what he said. It was that it was that year when you're not interfering with play. Do you remember that one? Yeah, that, that, that was the end of it. That was three 0 and then obviously that was pretty much the end of the game. Unfortunately, we went. I think did we go? We went two 0 down, and then Colsey yeah. scored. Colsey, Colsey scored. scored. Yeah. And yeah, went two one, didn't it? Yeah, and yeah. we were we were still in that because Lambo missed a sitter, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he missed yeah. an absolutely, and you know we can forgive him for that now, can't we? Yeah, yeah, he will <laughs> let him off for that one. Yeah, <laughs> we, we were still in it. I'm looking at looking at it here. We were still in it with 20 minutes to go. It was it was yeah. only the, the last three sort of. Sort of 69th minute and 85th minute, and Kevin Phillips came on and notched as well. Yeah, that, that was the one, the third goal. That was a killer. If you look mm-hmm. back on it, it was a one one of them where he's offside, but he's not interfering with play. But he, five seconds later, he taps the ball in. Mm. It's, a, it's, not, it's an obvious question, but how deflated are you after after that? Yeah, we were because once again, we were we knew West Brom, they, they were the real deal. They We knew that, as I said, no disrespect, but we knew that they were definitely a lot stronger than Southampton. Mm. We knew that, and we knew that we had to be at our, our very best. We were looking, obviously, the atmosphere was incredible that night. The pitch was heavy, so we were looking to use that uh, to our advantage. But like I said, we, we come up against Ishmael Miller, who probably to this day has not had a game like that. He scored some unbelievable goals, didn't he? And mm-hmm. yeah, so we, we, yeah, we, we were disappointed. But then, obviously, when you, you take a look back, you think oh, that was not a bad achievement for us to get, to get that far and get so close to a, a semi-final. Yeah, yeah, and then we, you know, the season sort of sort of seemed to peter out after that, really, didn't it? I think. Yeah, um, yeah. We we were staying up. We weren't going anywhere. Yeah. Following season after is when Ricky sort of really took off, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we had Joe Perfor. Who's the other striker? Daryl Duffy. Yeah. Um, Jeff Hughes. I've I always thought that team could have maybe done a little bit better than it did in Mm -hmm. the league. I felt like we had an outside chance of maybe push it. Did you feel that as well? That we we had a chance of going to the championship, or was it? Yeah. Or do you think that we were still missing a couple of key players? Maybe. No, I agree. I agree. Before every season, you look at the players that you lose, the players that you brought in. What are the expectations? And I, I agree. I thought we were outsiders for for, for the playoffs and given a given a real shot. I really did. 
Yeah. Yeah, we ended up finishing 11th, didn't we? And I think we scored a lot of goals, but we conceded a lot as well, didn't we? Yeah, and we, we threatened. We threatened and then we, I think we just fell away towards the end of the season, didn't we? I can't, yeah, we didn't win many games in the last sort of five or six, I don't think. No, no, we didn't really. Um, and then the season after was sort of the same again, really. Rick, Ricky had left by then. Did Ricky, Ricky left after that season? Didn't I think he, he left. That. I think he played yeah. the first game of the season, didn't he? I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, he did and at he, home to Leighton Orient. We, and he, we we played Orient, and he yeah. scored. He scored as well, didn't he? Yeah, um, and, and he he scored. And like I said, there was every year there seemed to be a lot of talk about losing him or or walks previously. And uh, once we got through preseason, he hadn't gone, and he was starting the first game of the season. I was like, okay, good. good. Yeah. I, I was thinking, right, he, he's here, and then literally out of nowhere, he literally I think it was the next day, the Sunday, you got a phone call. Yeah, yeah, he's gone. Gone, yeah. And it, we it, we started that year really strongly as well, and I, I, yeah. we went down to Southampton and won. Andy Williams scored in in yeah. the and that that almost seemed like the peak under under Charles. We I think we hit top three. We had about three and a half thousand down there on a on a midweek game, and it yeah. kind of felt again that we could kick on, and then it kind of from from my perspective, things kind of slowly mm-hmm. started to stagnate a little bit. I don't know what what kind of whether that was just managers sometimes run their time don't they and, and things need to change and and bits I and pieces felt, i always felt that trolls had probably moved on some too many key players too quickly yeah. maybe um like i think dizza left didn't he and steve phillips mm-hmm. left and stevie elliott left um and we didn't ever really seem to replace them properly did you did you feel that as well Stu? or yeah de- definitely definitely and i'm I'm, I know Trolls and I, we, we still uh, sort of stay in contact. And, and as I said, we, we've spoke about stuff. And yeah, most definitely, we lost, we lost big characters that genuinely cared for the club and genuinely cared for the coach and cared for the city, cared for Rovers. They, they really did. And whilst they may not have been able to play every single week, they, they, they were priceless in the, in the dressing room. And without a shadow of doubt, uh, it, it, it definitely hurt us. And, and as I said, out. It was tough for me as well because I lost players that I had been in the same dressing room with for years, who were good characters. Who, do you know what I mean? We we fought like cat and dog at times, but there was never any hard feelings or this or that and, and anything else. They were we were all in it together. And once again, when those some of those players that you mentioned, it it definitely uh, left a void that that it's it's impossible to to fill because, as I said, they really really cared about the club. Yeah, yeah, and I think. You know, that season was sort of, I think we finished sort of mid-table again. Um, mm-hmm. And then following season, 2010, 2011, um, mm-hmm. it didn't start well, did it, really? Um, mm-hmm. like we got hammered by Oxford in the cup, didn't we? Yeah, that, I remember that. And that was the end of Trolls, really. Um, what was that like, with losing Trolls? Did you feel that he should have stayed or that he should have gone? Or Yeah, I felt he most definitely should have stayed. I think he'd earned that and... I think the chairman at the time, he should have had a, a better finger on the pulse and he should have gone round, not gone round, if, if he didn't value my opinion, he, he should have asked other people in the dressing room because I don't believe he'd lost the dressing room. And I remember Trolls' last game, he made a couple of big calls. He'd left out a couple of senior players who he'd either brought in or had been there for a year or two. And he, he, he made a big call leaving them out and playing some of the, some of the younger players. And... We put in a good performance against Exeter in the Johnson Paint, uh, and one of the young players that come in, Charlie Reese, he was unfortunate. I think he slipped 
uh, and his man got away from him to score the winning goal uh, late on. But he, he most certainly hadn't lost the dressing room that he hadn't. And I always remember it the next day getting a call uh, from uh, Higgs and told me about it. And I told him, I said, you made the wrong decision. Uh, and one of the reasons, not just from what I'm saying, I remember the reception that he, Trolls got when he was walking off the field. There was no booing and no screaming or shouting. All the Rovers fans were clapping because I think they'd, they'd seen the, the direction that he was going to go with, with the team. So, yeah, I most certainly think that he should have, he should have been given more time. Again, going back to what I said about Richard Walker, I always <clears> feel that Trolls is criminally undervalued um, when we talk about like the work men after both on Twitter Facebook, mm-hmm. those sorts of things, and when you get conversations about the past come up, when mm-hmm. you come on trolls and, and Lenny as well, yeah, um, and we'll come on to Lenny leaving just after I say this is he achieved a lot for the club, didn't he? We you know went to two major finals, we got promoted, the FA Cup quarter final, um, and I just felt like he was always a bit undervalued. But do you feel that Lenny leaving was a, a bad thing for trolls, really, or did you feel that, that was? I mean, it's easy with hindsight now to say maybe we should have kept him. But at the time, what was the feeling when Lenny left? Yeah, once again, Lenny was really, really popular in, amongst the players. As you said, he, 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 he's a very, very experienced manager, coach, director of football, whatever you want to, however you want to uh, describe it. And, and once again, I'd known Lenny for years and I was, yeah, we had no inkling that it was going to happen. We had no inkling. I think I was, I think it was actually were hints in one of my UEFA badges up at West Brom and, and we, the news had broke then that it was at the end of the season that, that it happened. I, th- I think something like that. So, yeah, that, that definitely in, in impact trolls. And once again, I don't know the full, the full story in and out, whether that was driven by the board for financial reasons or, or not. I'm not. I'm not sure about that, but it definitely, definitely impacted us. So after trolls left, we had uh, Darren Patterson, caretaker manager, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dave Penny came in. Um, what sort of happened? So, did you? Because obviously, you ended up taking over from Dave Penny when he left. Did you want the job when Dave Penny got it, or because the, the, the old the old wife the old wife tell? Go on, Ash. Can you say that again? The last thing I heard was when Dave Penny came and then you froze. Oh, sorry. sorry. So, um, when Dave Penny came in to the club, did you want the job? And Dave no. Penny instead? No, or you? Because because the old wife tell is amongst Rovers fans that you wanted a job, didn't get it, led a player revolt against Dave Penny. Um, you know, I'm just going to say it as it is, because that, yeah. is, that, yeah, is, that, is, that is the rumour that people say. Is, is that mm-hmm. true, or is that complete and utter bullshit? It's complete and utter BS, as, as you say. Okay. Uh, and anybody that knows me, and I'm sure if you spoke to any of the players in the dressing room, yeah. it, it, that was never the case. And I go back to uh, Darren Patterson, he came in, he was Trolls assistant, he'd done a good job. And when he was caretaker manager, he, he was okay. The players sort of bought into what he was, was doing, if you like. But the, the board just took an age. I think if, if you look back on it, it must have been four, five, six weeks when it, we were just, we were like rudderless. We had no direction. If you, Pat was doing a good job, but he didn't know if he was getting a job or not. They should have just turned around and once they made the change with trolls, they should write, Pat, oh, you've got the job to the end of the season. Or if not, we're going to bring so-and-so in. I, I don't understand to this day why uh, it took so long for them to, to bring in Dave Penny when, when you had Pat there. And once again, if Pat wasn't the guy, all right, that's fair enough. But have somebody lined up. If, if you look at the timeline, it was, it was outrageous why it took so long. Uh, and 
yeah, no, I had no no interest in in doing the job. Uh, as I said, I met Dave when he came in, and obviously he knew I was captain. He knew that I was Trolls' guy, basically. And he asked me, like you did, about what do you think about Trolls? Do you think they should have sacked him? And I told him the same thing. I was like, no, I don't think they should have. I think he wanted more time. And so we probably didn't get off to the, not not the best of starts, but I think that was, it was, be honest about it. Uh, and I said to him, look, I'm, I'm rovers through and through. I'm here. I'll, I'll do whatever's required. And then I picked up an injury, a game or two into it. I think me and David McCracken, the big centre-back, I think, I can't remember who was playing at home. It might be an MK Dons or someone. We both actually hurt hamstrings. Uh, and I was out for a number of weeks. And the, the, we were struggling. The team was struggling. And then I come back. I played a reserve game against Hereford away. And it, it, it seemed to be a bit of a turning point with, with Dave. I think we, we both acknowledged that we maybe had the wrong impression of each other straight off the bat. And then we had a game on that Saturday that I was never meant to play. And I think it was Dagenham and Redbridge at home. Yeah. And I went in and, and played. And I think, unfortunately, we, we got beat. Uh, and that left left it in a real a real bad spot, a real bad spot. And I think the chairman come to me uh, because I think they'd basically given up on that season. I think they had they had accepted that we were were down and out and we're going to be relegated. What do you think it went so wrong under Dave Penny? I think we brought in too many players too quickly, and we didn't move enough. We didn't move enough players out. We we had a ridiculous size squad that that come in and. And I go back to what I say, Trolls hadn't lost the locker room. He hadn't lost the dressing room. He hadn't. So when he went, that, that not, not saying it up. Yeah, no, it did. It upset people. A lot of people felt that he was very, very harshly treated. They yeah. Did you, because we, we were behind him. You're not the first um, player from that squad <laughs> to say that to me either, to be honest with you. Um, Danny mm-hmm. Cole said to me that it was a sad day when he got the sack and he didn't feel that it should have happened either. No, it should have. Um, we got rid of Dave Penny, gladly. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get in the job come about then? Did the chairman just come and ask you straight up or did you go to him? How did it, how did it sort of work? No, nah, he, he, he called me. Uh, and ironically, like I said, at that point, Dave and I, we'd, like I, said, I, I didn't play many games for him. And, and once again, no matter who was in charge, whether I liked them or not, I was still going to do what was right for the club and what was right for the supporters and what was right for my family. So, like I said, we, we never had any falling out. We probably just got off to the a wrong start, quite rightly. Uh, he knew I was Trolls' guy. And then, like I said, we, we, we actually started having a decent little relationship. So when it all came about, it, it really shocked me because I think it was a Monday or Tuesday. or Yeah, it was a mon- was it Monday or Tuesday. Monday it was, after training, I got the phone call. Uh, and I was like, oh, what's this all about? And he, he said, we're making the move. And that was it. And I was like, okay. Right, and he said... We want you to take over uh, to the end of the season. I was like, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. And then we went up to Tranmere, I think, the next day and got a, a pretty good result. As long as we scored the winner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we did very nearly stay up as well, didn't we? It just sort of, it just sort of fell apart the last couple of games a little bit. We Down at Bournemouth, we conceded late on, didn't we? I yeah, think. That, 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 that was a one-ash. We were 1-0 up away to Bournemouth and we were and playing he, absolutely he brilliant. Danny Sendham is a sitter that day as well, I yeah. think. Yeah, very good, very good memory. He was clean through. We we were unbelievable that day. Uh, we were 1-0 up, like I said. It could have been 3 or 4-0. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like I said, Danny, who was absolutely brilliant for the club, he was clean through 1v1. 
and unfortunately he missed. And then they scored two goals in the last the last couple of minutes, basically to to nick that because that was uh, interesting. We can we played Charlton at home, mm. and I think we drew at home with Charlton, and yeah. then we went down to Bournemouth, and we should have won. And that would have I think if we got the result there, that would have took us out of the bottom four. If my memory serves me correctly, so, for the first time for a long, mm. long time, because we had yeah. a real a real tough finish. We had. I think it was Charlton, Bournemouth, Sheffield Wednesday or something, the three yeah. out of the last four. Yeah. Last game. Yeah, and then Colchester away on the last game. Yeah. Is there anything that you felt you could have done differently when you managed, when in your brief spell as caretaker manager? Uh, I don't know, really. I mean, I, I like to think that I gave everybody a little bit of confidence back and gave, each, gave all of us a little bit of hope. And, and once again, we were all convinced that we were we were going to get out of trouble. We, we really, really did. Going into the game against Sheffield Wednesday, the last home game, we knew we had to win pretty much to, to stay up. And we were really convinced. That's why when I think we drew, which normally you'd say is not a bad result against Sheffield Wednesday, it, I was devastated. I've never had a feeling like that on a, a football pitch before or, or after. It, it really, really hurt me. So, obviously, we got relegated. Um, yeah. You were still with the club. Did you want the job on a full-time basis after that? No. So what happened was, and this is where uh, things got interesting. So I, I got a couple of good results as a, a caretaker manager and people were, were saying about it, but you should get the job, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, yeah, yeah, but I still had one year left on my contract. So I still wanted to play. I still wanted to play. And prior to taking the job, sorry, I'll back up. I said to Nick Higgs, I'll take the job to the end of the season, but you better protect me when a new manager comes in. Because if a new manager comes in and he knows I've had the job, guess who's going to be down the road? Me. Because he's going to see me as, as being a threat to him. And, and quite right. Quite right. So, no, no, yeah, well, I'll do that. I'll do that. So, as we started getting a couple of results and uh, nearly got out of trouble, players were coming to me, the press were asking me. So, I told Nick, look, I'm going to turn around and say, I want the job. But you, need, I'm going to tell you now, I don't want it. I want to carry on playing and you have to protect me with the next manager that comes in. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So then at the end of the season, when unfortunately it didn't, it didn't, it didn't go to plan. The new manager was obviously, uh, I think he was in place. And, and that's where, where things sort of, that was pretty much the end of me at Bristol Rovers, unfortunately. Why did you publicly say that you wanted the job? Was that like a sort of maybe reverse psychology on the players to get them? 100%. 100% on the players because... Yeah, to keep them on to keep them on side, really, because we had we spoke about a minute with Danny Sender, for example. I think he was one of a, a few players that were on loan. We had a number of players that were out of contract, uh, so I wanted to to try and give them a little bit of reassurance that look, keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then during that summer, Paul Buckle comes to the club. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose. I mean. <laughs> the question's obvious, really, isn't it? Um, what happened between you and, and Paul? Because there was all this thing about you were going to be a, a coach, weren't there? Yeah. And you weren't, and then you were, and then he said that he wanted you, and then he didn't, and it, it just seemed to be a, all a bit of a mess, really. So what's your... Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> it, happened there? It, with- it, was a, it, it, it was a mess. It was a mess from, from the start. I was on holiday, uh, and I got a... A call from one of my uncles back in England who we were away and he said Stu is everything okay and I was like yeah why he said I've just read this interview on I think it was BBC Bristol or something that had been put out I think uh, Paul Buckle had done it 
uh, and said, oh, yeah, I've not spoke to Stu. I don't even know if he wants to stay. He might feel like it's time for him to, to move on. And I, I thought that was extremely disrespectful without talking to me and saying, hey, Stu, what's uh, the situation? So I, I didn't even have the guy's number. So I, I, I went for Nick Higgs, really, and said, look, I told you this is what's going to happen. You gave me assurances that you're going to not protect me, but say, no, this, this is it. This is it. And he, he didn't do that. So that, 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 from that point on, I knew it was the end. And I remember when I got back from holiday before preseason, I, I went in to, to meet him, to meet Paul Buckle, because I, once again, I was, I was really disappointed with uh, the interview that came out without talking to me, without speaking to me. And mm-hmm. as I said previously, and I know there's no loyalty in football, myself probably along with a lot of other players had the opportunity to move on, but we stayed because we were loyal to the club and loyal to the fans. And I was just looking for a little bit of that, that back. And, and I asked him and said, look, what's the deal? If, if you want me to, to stay, fantastic. If you want me to leave, just say. I said, I'm big enough and ugly enough. I know how football works. I think there's a couple of clubs in for me where I wouldn't have had to uh, have left home. Uh, I could have still stayed there. The kids would have been able to stay in the same school. I said, but I, I just need to know. I said, don't come, for, don't come to me sort of four or five months down the line uh, when we're doing great or we're doing terrible, I'm not in the team, uh, and turn around and say, you don't want me. I said, because that won't be fair. I've got a family. I was approaching 30, 32, I think. Uh, and he, once again, I knew, I knew it was, I thought it was the end going into that meeting, but when I left there, I knew, I thought, yeah, this is it, because he didn't turn around and say that he wanted me. He said, oh, I couldn't let you go. The supporters would tear the place down or burn the place down or whatever. And I was like, okay, right, got it. And then from then on, it it went it went downhill. Went downhill. Like I said, from a coaching perspective, yeah, I, pro- I probably should have just said no straight from from the offset. But I, I thought I'd give it a go. But I was no no part of any coaching decisions or, or anything. And deep deep inside, I wanted to carry on playing. I wanted to play. I just wanted to be that player and go out and and play free. So how did your exit from the club come about then? Yeah, that was very sad. It was very, very sad, as I said. Uh, I knew, I think Nick Higgs put out, there was some some interview or something that, that he put out that basically, uh, said, I can't remember if he said I wanted to leave or I told him this and told him that. And I'd never bloody spoke to the guy since the start of the season, which I found I found like really, really surprising. Uh, so I met, there was me, uh, Paul Bacco, Tony Watola, do you remember him? He was Nick yeah. Higgs, right? And Nick Higgs down at the the old training down at the training ground in like the little office. Uh, so went in, uh, and I said, I said, Nick, I said, you, you've known me for how many years? I've been here. How could you put out that story? And his reply was, Stuart, son, you'll learn. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And his, his mate Tony Watola sat there laughing away and whatever else. And I looked at them. And I, stu- I remember it clear as day. I stood up, shook everybody's hand, and that was that was it. I, I knew when when they put out a complete fabrication about about me wanting, yeah, I, I find the outcome it was something about me leave, wanting to leave or this or that. And for him to turn around and say that, I was like, right, okay, you you're, you're supporting your manager, which you get, who you've known for five minutes over a play that had been there for for eight years or so. And, and Nick knew some of the teams that had come in for me. And I'd always remained loyal, so that 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 was a that was a a kick in the you know what. 
he's not on your Christmas card list then, Stu. Oh, uh, definitely not. <laughs> it's, it's what we're saying now. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely not. And then you went over to America, which is where you are now. Yeah. Um, yeah. How does that come about then for you? Uh, so we, we, as I said, I've got three daughters and we used to come to Disney whenever we could right at the end of the season on holiday. So we fell in love with oh, thunder. Uh, we fell in love with America and Florida in particular. Uh, and we always wanted to make the move. And then I, I was doing uh, like a little presentation up at this. What's the private school up in, up in Clifton? Not Colston. Is it Colston? No, um, no I think that was in... No, I can't remember. Yeah, up near Park Street. It's a boys' school, I think. Yeah, I'm not. It might be Colston, maybe. I, um, I don't. I don't think it is Colston. Oh, I can't believe. Anyway, it, so I was up there doing something, doing a, a presentation or a speech, and the deputy head, Steve, uh, big Bristol Rovers fan, he come to me. Uh, Steve Ryan come to me and said, "So, Stu, hopefully another few years left in you yet, but when you finish, would you be interested in getting involved?" at the school with, a, with the, the sort of football side of it. And I was like, Steve, thanks so much for the, the offer. But when I retire or when I leave, I thought I'd retire at the Rovers. So I said, when I retire at the Rovers, uh, I want to go to America. Okay, what part? Florida. All right, what part in Florida? Ideally Orlando. So why? Uh, one of my old pupils was the chief executive of uh, Disney Sports, a gentleman called Patrick Dix. He was Alan Dix, his daughter. You know, the old Bristol City. Uh, son, yeah. sorry. Daughter, son. All, all I keep thinking about is daughters. That's it. That's all I've got. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so he was Alan Dix's son, the old Bristol City manager. So Steve Ryan put us in, in touch with him. And, and as Lenny used to say, you're better off being lucky than good. So I got, I got lucky. And, and once again, when things started going, going south at, at the Rovers, then, yeah, I, I knew the time was up. And he... He knew a coach called Ricky Hill who used to play for Luton. I think they used to play together when they when they come out. They the Rowdies were in the second year starting up. And yeah, Patrick called Ricky. Rick called me. Uh yeah, and it just went from there. It happened very, very quickly. Very quick. Very quick. You had a pretty good time, like you ended up being the manager, didn't you? And that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I have I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Uh like I said, I played for a couple of years. I was the assistant coach for a couple of years, and then I was a the head coach for a couple of years was there for about six six and a half years you managed joe cole as well didn't you i read somewhere yeah, yeah i did yeah we had we had not a bad little not a bad little team not a bad little team how did the transfers just very quick how did the transfers work in america then do you decide who you want or do they go out and just give you players and that's it yeah so whoa sorry a big bit of lightning uh yeah it's this uh yeah so the the general managers which is obviously equivalent to the, the chief execs they they have a big input in who you bring obviously uh, you have a decent enough input, but a lot of the times the players are identified by the general manager, and then you, you it's sort of your job to go and go and put it together. Mm-hmm. What, so, what are you doing now? You've got some soccer schools, is that right? I think, I yeah, can... yeah, yeah, I've got so about five, ten minutes away from, from where I live. Yeah, I'm working in youth soccer at Rad FC in Florida Premier. We, we started our own club uh, in May, so we've got probably close to 300 kids in the program at the minute so it's wow. so it's pretty pretty exciting wow that's amazing mate so um yeah. i'm just gonna tie up with some questions that we've had in from rovers fans for you so yeah. um we'll go with the, the the first one let me just find it is what was your worst moment playing for rovers 
the Sheffield Wednesday game when we got relegated. That that yeah. was the worst, the worst moment on a on a football field, not just with Rovers, but ever. That 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 feeling inside was, was awful. Yeah. Um, so the next one is what Rovers related memory always brings a smile to your face. Uh, I've got yeah, I've got quite a few, quite a few. I think oh, the Southampton game was a big one. The Southampton, just the how well we done, and I know they probably, probably won't admit it, but even the Bristol City fans, I think they were a little bit proud of almost our achievements and how far we we had got. So I think yeah, apart from the obvious of promotion, I think that the, that that FA Cup run, there you go, that that brings a smile to my face. Um, what could the club? have done or do to improve day-to-day experience for players at Rovers? Uh, yeah, when, when we were there, it was, always, it was always pretty okay. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, when we were making that drive up to Cologne in, in training up there, it's, I don't know, it, it's like the windiest place on earth, but that seemed to forge our, our relationship as teammates. So, yeah, I've I, I got to admit, yeah, the trolls and whatever, the, they've they done, they, they done the best they could. And the last one is, who was the best player that you played with at Rovers? Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll be a bit different. I know everybody says Lambo. I'm going to go with Walks, just what we'd spoke about, about his, his finishing uh, qualities. I think he was, he was an exceptional talent. I'll make sure he transfers you that 20 quid for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> dollars, dollars, any dollars. dollars. Sorry, dollars, yeah. So I think that's pretty much um, what we're going to leave it on, unless you want to add anything, Stu, at all? Got a message to the Rovers fans at all? Nah, just thanks for all your help and support. As I said, I never got the chance to say goodbye. Uh, you're a huge part of my life and my, my family's life. As I said, I was proud to play for and captain and, and manage them. And as I said, two of my three daughters are, are proud Bristolians. So, like I said, I never really got the chance to say bye and say thank you. So, that's what I like to say. Well, top stuff. I really enjoyed that. That was a really thanks, good Really good chat and a really good insight to your time here. So uh, thanks for listening, peeps, for another episode of Retro Rovers and uh, up the gas. And can you hear the tone in I can hear everything. And when the North Bristol chorus rings, I can hear everything. And can you hear the tone in Oh